Aren't those words full of truth? Great is your faithfulness to me. But we don't deserve what Jesus has done for us, and yet he still remains faithful. Amen, church. Uh, my name is Brennan Tushed. I'm the discipleship minister here. Uh, if it's your first time joining us this morning, whether in person or, line, or online, we want to thank you. We hope that you feel comfortable. We hope that you know that you are a part of our family, and we want to get to know you. So if you haven't already, uh, on the back of your bulletin, there's a QR code. You can uh, take a picture of that and give us your information, and we would love to get, you to get to know you a little bit better. Nick's not here today. He's um, with a bunch of our Galilee folk um, camping. And so if you're missing people this morning, that's where they are. Uh, it's not because they heard I was preaching. I promise you that. Or maybe it is. Who knows? Um, so um, this morning, we're going to learn about hearing and doing God's word. We'll be in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 and 25. Let's go back a little ways. Let's think about whenever we were in school. Maybe it's uh, the first week of school, and your teacher gives you one of those pre-tests. But she constantly keeps saying to read the directions before you begin. How many of you are reading the directions? I'm not, because I want to get this test done with. I want to be the first one finished, because if not, then I'll have anxiety like no other. So right before we begin the test, the teacher says the first one done gets a prize. Oh, well, now for sure I'm not reading the directions. I'm going to skip over that, and I'm going to get this test done. And so the test begins. You answer number one, super easy. You're like, you got this. Two plus two is four. Let's move on. And you get to the third question, and little Susie raises her hand and says, I'm finished. And you're like, no way. No way little Susie's done before me. I am the first one that's going to finish this test. And so the teacher says, good job, Susie, for reading the directions. And so you scramble back, and in the directions it says, put your name on this paper, raise your hand, and tell me you're done. It's important for us to listen, to hear, and not only to listen and hear, but to do. You heard the same directions everybody else did, to read them before you continued on. Yet you did not listen, you did not do. That's a silly metaphor for what we're going to be talking about today, but I think it's important for us to understand that hearing God's word and doing God's word are, are combined. We cannot separate two. In the letter to James, James is writing to a, a bunch of Jewish Christians, and so he's wanting to encourage them to do this same thing that we're going to hear today, to hear and to do. But he starts out his letter kind of different than I would have started my letter if I was writing to a group of Christians. He says this. He says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't find it joyful to encounter hard things. In fact, I, I try to avoid them as, as much as I can. He continues on. He says, the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James says that there's a purpose for what's going on in this world. There's a purpose for the trials that we're going through, and it's to make us whole. It's to make us complete so that we are not lacking in anything. And so James is going to teach us how can we do this, how can we, can we live this life, this whole and complete life. James understands that we are fractured individuals. 
that we'll do anything to make ourselves feel whole or complete. But James is gonna help us to fill in the gaps to show us how to live this whole, complete life. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful that we have this opportunity to open up your word. Thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Without him, this would be useless. Without him, we would never come to a place where we would be whole and complete. I pray that as we listen to your word, that, that we hear it, but we not only hear it, that we do it, Father, that through this we would look more like Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in James chapter one, starting in verse 19, it says this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves or perseveres, not preserves, perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. So here's your takeaway for today. I'm gonna give it early, but don't check out on me. Hearing and doing God's word sanctifies us. Now this word sanctifies is a weird word. We don't really use that word today, but basically it means to look more like Christ. Hearing and doing God's word helps us to look more like Christ. If you look back at verse 20 and 21, um, James is talking about anger. He's talking about a sinful action. He says, put those things away and receive with meekness the implanted word. He said, this is what produces righteousness. God's word produces righteousness. God's word sanctifies us. Now, sanctification comes in, in three ways. It's normally talked about in three different categories. First off, we're sanctified when we come to Christ, when we hear God's word, when we believe it, when we repent from our sins and we're baptized, we, we, we are sanctified. We look more like Christ by doing that. The third way that, and I'm skipping two on purpose, the third way that we're sanctified is, is gonna be on judgment day. When Jesus finally comes, he's gonna make us whole and complete. We're gonna look like him. But the second one is really what I wanna focus in on today. And that sanctification comes by this daily living like Christ. It comes by means of God's word that every day we are looking more and more like Christ. When you put alongside Paul's letters to James' letter, we find this critical point that Jesus has brought us out of darkness into light, and he wants us to stay there. James wants to give us some practical application of how we can do that, how we can not go back to our old self, to the flesh and the desires that, that we once longed for, but how we can more and more look like Christ. Since God has changed us, since he's brought us out of the life, he wants us to live like Christ, to change our behavior. So that's what I wanna talk about today. 
Sanctification is a lifelong process, something that happens day by day, step by step. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes we see um, uh, an event in our lives and we're like, wow, we look more like Christ today. And sometimes it takes longer. So how are we sanctified? How do we become more like Christ? I believe that James gives us really two questions, or he answers two questions for us. This first question is, what should we hear? Hearing has a lot to do with this sanctification process, right? In Scripture, we see that we must first hear the gospel in order to react to it. But in today's times, we hear a lot, right? There's podcasts, there's radio, there's TV, there's our friends, there's our family, there's good old Facebook, you name it, there's something for us that grabs our attention and wants to say, hey, hear this. This is the way to true life. I think James would argue, and we'll see in scripture, that he doesn't want us to believe those things. There's only one source for truth, one source that we should hear from, and that's God's word. When you were younger, how many of you have ever played the telephone game? You know what I'm talking about? You know, one person starts out with this message. They tell the next person in line, and there's like 20 people. And so the first original message is unfiltered. It's, it's correct because they made it up. But by the time you get to the last person, it is something totally different. It may be similar, but people have changed the words. And that's, that's what we're getting from the world. We're saying, hey, this is good, but is it really? Is it truth? Let's look at God's word, and in James, in verse 21, it says this. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly, so prevalent. Let's pause there. How many of us want to get rid of moral filth and evil, to look more like Christ? I think everybody would raise their hand and say, yes, I, I want that. So James tells us what to do. He says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. It sounds so easy, except the word. Well, what's the word? James says the word, he's speaking to Christians. He says the word is the gospel, the good news of Christ. Accept it. You know, as Christians today, we always say that's the first step in the salvation process, to hear the word of God and to accept it. But I love the word that, that he puts alongside word which is planted. I don't know about you, but I'm not really, I don't have a green thumb. I'm not good at, at planting things. I'll buy, you know, plants already grown. That way I'll just have to water and put it near sunlight. But if we take a seed and we put it in soil, eventually it will grow. But only if we do something to it, if we provide water, if we provide sunlight. James is saying the word has been planted in you. You've accepted the good news of Jesus. Now do something with it. This is the only thing that can save you. And so what are we to do with it? What, what happens after we accept the word of God? I think this, this planted idea is, is twofold. We must remind ourselves of the gospel daily. I don't know if you know, uh, there's a famous preacher, his name's Paul Tripp, and he says daily I remind myself of the gospel because I'm a forgetful person. I have sticky notes all over my office to remind me of things. 
I should do the same with my spiritual life. Remind myself of the gospel daily. This idea of planted, it's a, it's a permanent thing. It's a thing that takes place over time. It's, it's for developing our spiritual lives. Our, our sanctification process takes a long time. There's this commentary on James um, that was written by a guy named Richardson, and he says this about listening, and I think it's true. Let's listen. Whatever wisdom is the goal, hearing will be the first virtue. Indeed, quick and slow are a frequent tandem in describing qualities of response to life. Learning requires slowness. Action requires quickness. You know, we learn things over time, and step-by-step and step we'll learn things new. When you become a Christian, you don't fully understand all of God's word, but over time, we learn it. Jesus uses this, this parable. He tells this story of um, the parable of the sower. And he has, he has this guy who's coming, and he's planting seeds, and he's planting them on different types of soils. There's one soil that's rich and fertilized, that's deep, and he plants seeds in there. There's, there's some seeds that fall into the, the soil that's shallow. There's some seeds that fall along rocks and thorns. And Jesus uses this analogy to talk about how some people hear the gospel, they don't accept it. They don't do anything with it. And these people are, are, are confused, and so he's explaining the parable to them in Matthew chapter 13. And in verse 20, he says this, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Now, I want to pause. I want to show you that, that you have to hear the gospel. Somebody has to tell you this. You have to read it. You have to hear it. And it's a good thing. It says he receives it with joy. Yet, there's, has, yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, Immediately, he falls away. James starts his letter. He says, find it pure joy, my brothers, when you, you come into tribulation, into trials. Because why? Because you're rooted in God's word. You've heard it. You've planted yourself. This guy that Jesus is talking about, he says, yes, he heard it, and it was a joyful time, and he stayed with it for a while, but he wasn't, he wasn't rooted. He didn't root himself in God's word. And when hard times came, he fell away. There's another person that Jesus talks about. He says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So we see that there's, there's this idea of, of hearing God's word. There's, there's an importance to, the, to that. We have to do that in order to, to come to him. There's a lot of things that will distract us from that, that will say, hey, maybe that's not true. It was the same in the garden, right? Eve, Eve and Adam are told what to do, not to eat from a certain tree. They heard it, they knew that, and what did they do? They did it anyway. See, oftentimes we hear a bunch of things, right? You're here right now listening to this sermon, right? This chocolate is gonna represent what we're hearing, this milk represents us. Maybe you read your Bible this week, a little daily devo. You heard that. That's a good thing. Maybe you listened to a podcast, a little John MacArthur. You know, you were convicted. Maybe some Piper, Paul Tripp. 
whatever your taste, Francis Chan. Those are good things. We hear it. It's in us. We understand it. Maybe you shared the gospel with somebody this week. Perfect. Jesus tells us to do that in the Great Commission. That's part of his plan. Oh, maybe, maybe you're part of a connect group on Wednesday nights. Shameless plug, if you want to come to a connect group, we have them on Wednesday nights, 630. Those are good things. Here's the best one. Maybe you sit in silence. Oh, I struggle with this one. Maybe you put away all the craziness of the world, all the, the sports podcasts, all, all ESPN. Yes, Georgia won yesterday, but let's move on. Maybe you sit in God's word or in, in silence. These are all good things. Maybe you reminded yourself of the gospel daily. It's good, right? But what happens if we stop there? We just listen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to drink this chocolate milk. It hasn't been transformed. It's still white 2% milk with a little bit of chocolate at the bottom. We saved all the good stuff for the last sip, and it probably wouldn't taste that good. And so James, he says, we also have to do something. We can't just listen. We can't just know everything. We have to do something with it. Now, I struggle with this. I am a great listener. Just don't ask my wife, okay, because she'll probably say different. I love to get into God's word. I love to study the Greek and the Hebrew. I just finished my master's. I love information. Sometimes I struggle with what to do with that. Man, I know the right answers. I love apologetics. I love to discuss things in small groups and to say, hey, this is, this is the truth. Sometimes it stops with me. Sometimes I keep it all to myself. Sometimes I keep the good news to myself because it makes me uncomfortable to do. It makes me uncomfortable sometimes when I'm led to action. And so what does James do? James says, I know that's uncomfortable, but guess what? Do it anyway. And so the second question that I think we can ask James is, okay, James, what should we do? We've listened, we've heard, we have the gospel planted in our lives, so what should we do? I don't know how many of you go to the doctor regularly. Um, I haven't been to the doctor in a while, and so I made an appointment. So you can hold me accountable, check on my health later. But if I go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, Brennan, you have high blood pressure. Here's some things that you can do. Here's all the information you need. Here's, here's, here's you know, what it should be. Here's some things you can do. You can exercise. You can eat healthy. What if I go home, sit on the couch, pop me open a, a thing of Pringles, have a soda on the side, and I just sit there, veg out on Netflix? That'd be silly. There's no urgency to the concern that's been placed before me. I have all the information. I just have to put it into practice. That's what James is telling us to do here. And he uses this analogy of, of a mirror in verse 23. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. How silly is this? This guy is looking into the mirror intently. He's studying himself. 
He's saying, yes, you have your mustache is perfect. Your beard looks nice. You have a mole right here. You wear glasses. I see all these things. And then he walks away and forgets what he looks like. You see, the guy is focusing on the wrong thing. He's looking at the self in order to save himself. He's saying, oh, yeah, Brennan, you're, you're, you're a good guy. You do good things. You volunteer. You mentor. You serve in church. But look what James says we should be doing. Verse 25 says this. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, and then forgetting what he heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So James says, stop looking at yourself. Stop focusing on yourself. Stop looking in the mirror and saying you're a good person and look at the law. Look at the perfect law, the gospel of Jesus, because that's what brings freedom. That's what brings change. Because I can look at myself in the mirror and be like, man, you're a pretty good dude. Like you have a wife, you're nice to her, you love your kids, you, you have a job, you, you pay your taxes. But James is saying there's so much more. He uses this word intently. He says, he says to focus in on it. It's this intense look at scripture to say, I'm, I'm nothing without Christ. And this is for the purpose that we would change, that we would change our behavior to look, to be sanctified, to look more like Jesus, to learn what is wrong, to discern what we ought to do. You know, when you become a Christian, it's not like, oh, hey, I, I got baptized, I repented, now I'm perfect. It's a process. It's something we learn. And so the reason you're here today is so that you can learn something, so that way you can do it, so you can look more like Christ. This kind of intense studying, this kind of looking into the law, something that continues over our entire life. We look at the word, we remind ourselves in the gospel, we remember the first time we were planted and where we were and now where we are, we're encouraged by other people. This helps us to guard so that we don't forget why we're doing what we're doing, right? We can do all the, the right things. We can, we can, you know, listen to the podcast. We can sit in solitude. We can pray. We can join a connect group. <clears throat> we can go through Discovering Galilee. We can do all these things. We can serve in the church. We can use our gifts. We can love our neighbor. We can do all these things, Right? And all these things are good, just like this person. They're good, and they're inside of us. But when we do stuff, when we're led to action, when this, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our life, we begin to change. We no longer look like the old self, or we no longer look like the baby Christian who is on milk, no pun intended, we begin to change. We begin to be sanctified. We begin to look more like Christ. Now, I'm not saying Christ looks like chocolate milk. Don't misunderstand me, but I bet that's what he likes to drink. But you see, you have to be led to action. You can't just sit here with all this good information. You have to do something with it. You have to, be, you have to allow Jesus to transform, to change your life. And that takes doing. That takes this, this getting out of our comfort zone and being a disciple of Christ. 
It's part of the sanctification process. Some of us may be stuck. I've been there before. But in order to get unstuck, we have to do something different, right? I'm really good at listening, like I said earlier, but sometimes I listen to the wrong things. Sometimes I'm more worried about what this famous preacher has to say, what this commentary has to say, and I don't get into the word. I like to busy myself with things that are good, but that keep me away from thinking about the things that I need to deal with. And it isn't until I'm in the silence and solitude, normally when I lay down to go to sleep, that Jesus calls me. He says, hey, now that you're not busying yourself, hear me out. Being a disciple of Christ is a lifelong journey. And I'm not saying that, that we do. I think I would get some tension in, in saying, hey, you have to do all these things in order to be saved. Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying this morning. I do all these things because I am saved. Because of the grace of God, because of what Jesus did for me, I want to do. I want to be led to action. I don't wanna keep it to myself. I wanna share it. In the Great Commission, Jesus says to go, to go, to do, to go into all the world, to teach them, to baptize them, to, to, to preach the gospel. It's by grace that we are saved, not by the works we do, but this grace produces a new chapter in our life, a new way for us to live. I love that James kind of sets this up for us in, in verse 16 and 17, he says, hey, here's what happens when we ignore God's word, when we maybe hear it, but we don't do. He says this in verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. I don't know about you, but I don't want disorder in my life. I wanna be, I wanna be what James is gonna talk about next. But we have to do something first. We have to hear God's word. We have to plan it in our lives. We can't be good people without Jesus. And then James goes on in verse 17. He says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I don't know about you, but this is what I want for my life. I wanna be gentle, full of mercy and good fruits. And in verse 18, he says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. All these things that James is saying, there's, there's a part of it to do. You can't sow these things. It's, it's, a part, it's something we have to do. We have to be led to sharing the news of Jesus Christ. We have to be led to saying, hey, Jesus, what do you have for my life? What, what parts of my life have I not given to you that you want? I don't know what that is for you today. But Jesus reminds us in the parable of the sower, he says this. Some of the seeds were on the good soil, right? As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another 60 and another 30. Those people who hear the word of God who understand it, who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and then do what? Bear fruit. These are the people that you see in your lives that, that in this case, they, they're, they're 
bringing people to Christ. Their lives are drastically changed from when they came to Christ, even 100-fold, 60-fold, or 30-fold. They look totally different. That's where we need to be today, to understand that we've heard the gospel, or maybe you have it. And this is your opportunity to hear what Jesus has done for you. That yes, there was a sin problem from the very beginning. Adam and Eve failed and nobody could redeem them. Not themselves, not anybody. And so Jesus came to this earth to do just that, to live a perfect life, to show us the character of God. And he died on a cross because the penalty for sin was death. Something that we deserve because we were sinful people. But he died. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose three days. He, he showed himself to people. And he ascended into heaven. We have that good news within us. If we haven't accepted it, then this morning we can't accept it. If you've already accepted it, if you already have the gospel of God planted in your life, your next step is to do, to transform your life to look like Christ. That's our goal. When I was in college, I wrestled with what was right and wrong. I grew up in the church. My parents taught me. They said, hey, you do this because God tells you so, the Bible tells you so. But I struggled with that in college. I started to look in other places. I started to listen to other things, to the world, and saying, hey, this is actually good. It makes you feel good, so do it. Boy, was I, I, I way off. But it wasn't until I was broken, alone, and lost. When I was at the lowest of lows, and I didn't have anything left, I opened up my Bible. I heard God's voice saying, repent. Live the life that Jesus showed you to live. Love God with everything you have. Sometimes it takes us to get that low. But I wanna save you from that hurt. I wanna save you from, from listening to the world and point you back to Jesus this morning. So here's what I wanna do. First off, I wanna invite you, if, if you never made the decision to follow Christ, if you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, if you never repented of your sins and turned away from them and started down the road towards Jesus, you can do that today. If you're not comfortable coming up during the song, catch me later, email me, that's the first step. If you're already there and you have the word planted in you and it's growing, fantastic. Keep striving to look more like Christ. Keep finding things to do. Encourage other people to do the same. If you need some prayers this morning, I'll be up here. Let's stand and sing this final song.